Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. It has been a busy summer across levels in the tennis world. Of course, happening just this week, we've got 1,000-level action in Canada on the ATP and WTA Tour for the juniors here in the United States. We've got the Super Bowl of their season, the Girls and Boys 16s and 18s National Championships happening in San Diego and Kalamazoo, Respectively, of course, simultaneously happening alongside all of that. You've got the countless challenger events, countless ITF events that happen every week across the world in the pro tennis world. And in each of those events, we see countless college tennis players or players, I should say, with college tennis ties having success week in, week out. And what we've tried to do here at Cracked Rackets this summer is do a little bit of a better job keeping track of all of the successes. There really are so many different players having successes in so many different ways. Of course, each time we talk about the college players having success on tour, I try to bring in some help as I do need it to track all of the action. But on today's podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. Certainly, if you've been following the college tennis players in the pros narrative this summer, there's been a lot of Ben Shelton love, as there should be. Shelton, 19 years old, an NCAA singles champ this year, has taken every level of the tennis world by storm, whether it was last summer reaching the finals of the Boys 18's National Championships, final round qualifying at the U.S. Open. He parlays that into an ITA All-American title, into an NCAA singles championship of of course, there's been a Futures title along the way. There have been a couple of Challenger finals as well. We all feel like it's a matter of when, not if, Ben Shelton will crack the top 100. But of course, the question all of us college tennis fans have, as we have the shortest of attention spans, who could the next Ben Shelton be? As we get ready for fall play to get underway around college campuses everywhere, what players should we be looking for to be that next Ben Shelton and joining me on the podcast to discuss that very topic to the members we always turn to whenever we're discussing anything college tennis here on this show. Let's start with the better half of our duo joining us on the show tonight. Of course, you know him best as our Cracked Rackets West Coast correspondent, the founder of the No Ad No Problem blog, a man who is quickly, very quickly surpassing me in the college tennis media power rankings. He keeps the discussion going even in the offseason. Such a blessing to be joined by our friend John Parsons once more. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Do you even need me? Are you the host tonight? I mean, again, you're killing it, my friend. Well, I was going to say, uh, I think I might lose my Cracked Rackets West Coast correspondent <laughs> title after your gig out West. So, I mean, who's coming for who at this point? Uh, but no, hope you had a good time out here on the West Coast. Uh, 
you know, congrats on, on the coverage. Seemed like a great time. Yeah. But no, things have been fun. You know, I've been busy, been trying to keep myself busy as well, you know, coming up with new things to talk about, even if it's just to myself. But it's been fun. <laughs> Welcome to the club, my friend. Now you know what that feels like. I yeah. do. Look, it's been wonderful to see not only someone sending you an email uh, of the pertinent rule changes or an early draft of everything going on, your willingness to read through each of these guidelines as they are put out. It just continues the narrative. And I like to think of myself – I mean, look, listeners aren't going to be surprised to hear this ego, but what I like so much about this podcast is that it can be a platform for the talented, many talented humans – there are out there in the tennis verse, and I really think we found something in John Parsons, folks. I mean, again, Jay, the work you've done this summer, if you'll allow me to compliment you, it does continue the narrative. And while I like to think I can bring the energy as much as anyone regarding college tennis, as everyone on this podcast knows from both of you joining me today, Super Producer Daniel Westoff and all of our listeners as well, I'm easily distracted. And you have been persistent in your pursuit of the stories, which I'm immensely grateful for. So, Jay, great to have you back on the show tonight. But that's where the compliments end, because, of course, next we have to turn to a man who joins us oh so frequently here on this podcast. A man you know best as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula Predictions. Never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames and fine in the spirit of positive energy to start this podcast. The man whose website, collegetennisranks.com, is a must-turn-to resource if you're trying to follow all of the college tennis players in the pro tennis world. It's our friend, a washed-up Greg Maddox. It's Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. I miss you, my friend. How are you? Oh, man, I'm good. I went from post-prime to washed-up, huh? <laughs> it's been a long two months. Hey, I, I mean, I get... for. You started off with, for those that, that know you well, they wouldn't be surprised. I wasn't going to be surprised if, af- if after all of the intro that you gave Jay, you went, oh yeah, Chris is here too. So let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I miss you too much. I The truth is why I have to do your full introduction every time. The same reason why every month or so I'll run through the 50, or excuse me, 46 presidents we've had in our history is just to make sure I still remember it. It's literally just like, does my brain still work? The answer to today is yes. I honestly think it's more on voice cadence and rhythm than remembering the words. I just go da 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 and it's just like the words come out at this point. But a pleasure to have you both on the show here today. And again, a very fun topic for us to discuss who might the next Ben Shelton be. Of course, before we get into it, a shout out as always to our friends at Turner for their continued support of this show. And look, in the summertime months, you're just going to sweat more on court than you're used to. You're going to have to change your grip more frequently than you'd like to. You know who will make that process just a little bit easier? It's our friends at Turta who are going to keep you covered by providing the best grip in the business. Of course, it's not just that. It's their award-winning strings and countless other appliances that make your life easier. As a tennis player, you can learn all about them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned we here at Cracked Racket sent you. You'll get discounted pricing. You'll get free samples as well. They'll hook you up, treat you like family. Again, the way you can show your appreciation, email sales at uniquesports.com and mention we here at Cracked Racket sent you today. With that said, let's get into the rules of this who is the next Ben Shelton what competition. Rules? Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to discuss this publicly, and 
I mean publicly. We'll do it live. To quote the great Bill O'Reilly, we'll do it live. <laughs> it. Um, you know, should there be rules to this process or is Ben an outlier? Part of the reason I don't mind not having rules to this and why, again, I didn't text you guys any specific rules is very rarely, very rarely, do you see someone go from number five singles player in a lineup to the unequivocal guy in college tennis in a given season? What Ben just did, you know, even Stevie Johnson played three and four singles his freshman year. Even Samdev Devarman, yeah, you remember him for the last two seasons, but he was number one singles player as a sophomore. And, you know, by the end of his freshman year was as good as any player on that Virginia lineup. You know, or in that Virginia lineup, excuse me. Similarly for, you know, a guy like Kevin Anderson might be an exception because there are a lot of seniors who are really good at Illinois early in his career, but even he walked in the door top three, top four in the lineup. Now it's different because Ben was also a year younger than everyone else. You got to remember, he's still 19 years old after his sophomore season. I'll go to you first here, Jay. Do we have rules? Should we clarify rules? How did you approach your list here and this thought process? Well, it's a great question. Uh, this question that you posed to us is the classic Gruskin question. <laughs> because it, it initially you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then you start pondering it for a little bit. And then you realize, wait, if you were to pose that same question to five to ten other people, they would all have extremely different takes on it. Right. Who is the next Ben Shelton? I don't know. Are we talking about who made their freshman to sophomore jump? Are we talking about who we think is going to be the next NCAA winner in 2023? Are we talking about who has the highest potential pro side? Is Gavin Young the heir apparent because his dad is a coach? I mean, there's so many different ways that you can take this. I think with all of those different ways, I think it's most interesting to see how we interpreted it and then share essentially how our interpretation yields to uh, who we think is the next Ben Shelton. See, this is what I'm saying, Chris. He's going to be hosting this podcast by the end of next season because he knows how to butter up the guest. It was a great question. Thank you. You're also absolutely right. You can approach this topic in a bunch of different ways. And so I go to you, Chris, when you were coming up with names for your list, what sort of qualities or dare I say quantities were you looking for? So uh, I, I'll be honest. First of all, yeah, I, I had the same questions Jay did, but I purposefully didn't ask for rules because <laughs> I wanted to be able to say some things that weren't maybe can't weren't going to fit any of the any guidelines you might have given. <laughs> I have something that might not fit any of them. But that being said, yeah, I, I you know, just listening to Jay, I was thinking, wow, I didn't even think of, I really only took it one way i wasn't thinking who made the big jump who did this i was thinking in my head the question was who's the next college player most likely to make a big jump and splash in the pro ranks while still in college that's the way i interpreted it right but in listening to jay i'm like oh yeah shoot yeah that he could have meant yeah who's the next guy that's going to jump to the guy and win the NCAA championship or who. And I didn't even think about your caveat of in college. I ended up landing on just who in college now has the highest pro upside. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's a ton of different ways to, to cut. Yeah. This. So this should be fun. And this is why I like to do what I do because a real editor in chief knows let your artist cook. 
let them come up with whatever they come up with, and we'll figure it out from there. We'll have a fun conversation and see where it goes. Yeah, it is fascinating, and I want to start with the women's side because I think the men's side is a little bit more difficult to project, particularly just given how the developments differ between men and women, particularly in college tennis. As of late, when you see a freshman come in, typically if they're successful, A, they ascend to the top of their lineup pretty quickly. B, they're able to sustain that success from season to season, whether it be, you know, round of six, you know, the, the player I would turn to here is probably Connie Ma. Like Connie Ma could make a jump next year, but we know she's going to continue to be really good. Fiona Crawley walked into college tennis extraordinarily exceptional. And the only reason she's been playing as low in the lineup as she has is a byproduct directly of being a part of that UNC team. Maybe she's an example you turn to. But I actually think there are three pretty clear-cut examples of players who will all have success and who all match the most narrow definition of who will be the next Ben Shelton, which are freshmen who are making the leap going into their sophomore season, who could become the players on their roster. And the name that jumps out first, and I want to turn to you here, Jay, is Zafana Brodus. There were legitimate conversations in Champaign during the NCAA tournament watching her play, not only in her limited singles action against UNC, but watching her play doubles throughout the course of the week where it felt like she might be the best player in town, where it feels like she could make that jump. And obviously, she has the pedigree as a junior to do so. But just watching the game manifest itself, the weapons, the physicality, like just a year more of comfort under her belt. Maybe she jumps up and plays a few spots higher in the lineup this season as well. Savannah Brodus could very well be the next Ben Shelton. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you even started to see signs of that growth, even within her freshman campaign, right? In early days, it was a little hit or miss in terms of what her results would be. Uh, And then by the end in Champaign, I mean, she was firing on all cylinders. That power had been harnessed, her athleticism on the court, the serve. I mean, I was indoors there at Champaign, and I know that uh, radar is a little juiced, but I mean, (laughs) she was clocking that serve. So she certainly has all the tools capable to make that next leap someone that you see you know the upside that is needed and someone like you look at ben shelton you saw the tools you saw the weapons it just wasn't a full package yet a year and a half ago in a way that it is now and so she certainly fits the bill savannah Brod is 35 and 9 overall in singles last year 20 and 5 in dual match play she won her last 11 decisions she also with janice chen 17 and 1 in dual match play 24 and 4 overall on the year Chris, I'll take us back to 2021, where Ben Shelton was playing five singles on that Florida roster. And it's interesting, and it was tough for Ben because Bicknell was undefeated, because Gujar was undefeated. And so it was like, and, you know, they had Riffis and Vale, who were both top 10 in the country at the number one and two spots. I f- again, from a narrative perspective, you look for Brodus last season. She had Janice Chen kicking ass and taking names. 18-5 overall on the year was just cruising by the end of the season everywhere she was. And Lisa Zar, excuse me, Chen 21-2, and two, Lisa Zar 18-5. And, five. and, you know, again, she's surrounded by a Vicky Flores, which was more the conversation in the bottom of the lineup. What's going on with Vicky and as opposed to looking at just Savannah cruising I like it from a narrative perspective as well, Chris. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, we were talking before the podcast. It's tougher to me. It's tougher for that to happen on 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 the lady side, just because there, a lot of them just come in so good and so high in the lineup to begin with. It's so hard to find them that the the players that are that good just generally don't come in and play number five. I mean, you have to be hitting a Texas team or a Pepperdine team or you know maybe a this year's Oklahoma team or a Virginia team. You know, Stanford. If you don't hit one of those schools, you know, you're, you're just not going to find somebody that comes in that low and then and makes makes that big jump. They just and as, as Jay had pointed out, they they mature faster. They're already a little more advanced than, and they don't grow. So, you know, you don't get like the guys can come in and maybe be six, two and sophomore year. They're six, five and 20 pounds heavier and uh, and all the all the muscle added. That just doesn't happen as much. So it's it's tough. But but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think I mean. Savannah Brodus is a great, it's a great pick for somebody. I mean, I, I like how you, you prefaced it with, I didn't even go that far, had to be a freshman making the sophomore jump. Right. I mean, that's, you're pretty restricted there already in, in limiting yourself to only freshmen from the class, but. Oh, I didn't. Let's be clear. I didn't. I just happened to have a couple of good freshman examples right off the bat. And I want to go to you next, Jay. You have any for us? Oh, well, I was going to say it's easier on the women's side. There were so many talented women uh, on the freshman side. It was a, it was not a good freshman class on the men's side last year. And so it's tougher to find those, um, those equivalents. But yeah, I think the next name, can we go to the next name? By all means, please. Cool. I think the next name who's also stood out in Illinois was Carson Tengillig. 100,000% make the case. Well, similar to... Savannah Brodus, right? You just see the power that she possesses, you know, the serve that she possesses. She started to fire, you know, that serve. She took out Daria Freeman in that first round and you just saw the weapons that she had. I think when you look for who has the upside, you're looking for who possesses those weapons that might not be fully harnessed. She and Savannah Brodus would hit the cover off the ball, right? If they're playing. So those Two stood out to me for that reason. Uh, You know, she had an incredible freshman season. You know, she made a deep run in the individual tournament. She's another player who was only playing down at five because of the team that she was on, on, you know, 95% of the other programs. You know, she's playing number one singles. Yeah, and you just hear the stories about her at, again, 20 and – or you look for Tangela Glassies in 20 and three overall in singles and dual match play, 32 and seven overall in the year. You know, she hasn't taken tennis – Full-time, seriously, this is the sport I'm pursuing with all of my passion, really until getting to college. And again, dare that I say— That shades of Ben. That sounds Ben Shelton-esque. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And it's just like, again, playing as low in the lineup as she did as a freshman because of the talent around her, very similar to what Ben Shelton had as a freshman and being around that talent. You just learn how to be elite. You learn how to do the little things right uh, because other members of your roster are— it's also the game. Like, to your point, it all comes easy to her. Her willingness to move forward, her comfort level at the net as a volleyer. She can just finish points on her terms, which you need to do at the highest levels of the sport. I I would agree. I think Tan Gillig's another good pick. And, you know, shout out to us. This is how you know the season's changed. We're doing a UNC segment, and it's not on Fiona Crawley, Jay. We've matured. We've come a like- long way. Because you already dropped Crawley early in the episode, so <laughs> well, we've, we've moved on. Habits are habits, all right. Um, Chris, you're, I assume you're fine with the Tangelic pick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm fine with it. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting because, you know, the, the problem you have with someone like, with, like Carson is because of where she played in the lineup, half of the season, you know, she's getting to play 
you know, ladies that you just expect her to beat, right? I mean, it's not like a, a real challenge. And then then you get into the serious matches. And so, so yeah, it's going to take that step. It's going to take that that jump and that step up in competition to now see. But yeah, absolutely one of the one of the folks that's poised to be able to make that jump. Mm-hmm. Last name I would throw at you of the strictly freshman making a sophomore leap. And you laughed at me when I told you this before the show. It's Kimmy Hance, the rising sophomore at UCLA. Kimmy Hance was quietly exceptional in what was otherwise a tough season for UCLA. Hance, 15-3 and overall in singles, 12-1 and in dual match play. She also went 16-3 and in doubles, 12-1 and in dual match play. You know, Abby Forbes isn't walking through that door. Uh, Alicia Bolton, we don't know yet if she's walking through that door or not. Kimmy Hance could be the player they turn to. And getting to watch her play on the SoCal Pro Circuit this summer, Kimmy Hance had the sort of success that Ben had last year, whether it be in singles or doubles. You look for her, you know, again, making the semifinals in L.A., got a, a nice win over Snow Han, a nice win over Janice Chen as well, quarterfinals in San Diego a couple of other times as well. She had a bunch of success in the doubles. Watching her play, it's how easy things come to her. It's the weapon. It's the speed. Clement Sheedek isn't the perfect comparison, but the way Sheedek was always in control, Kimmy Hance is always in control. And I just think the better the player, the better the Kimmy Hance you get. I'm really excited to watching her uh, to watch her play for UCLA. Jay, I think, A, if the Bruins are going to get back where they want to be, she needs to make that jump. But I think she's definitely capable of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in a way where Tangillig and Brodus got high visibility because of their teams this past season, Kimmy Hans did not, right? Not only did, was UCLA not as strong, they also had COVID issues, so they didn't play as much. But where I see shades of Ben here is Ben immediately went on from their NCAA team title run and had success in the summer. Right. And so Savannah Brodus, Carson Tangillick have not played that much this summer. Yes. Kimmy Hance has, and she has translated that success from her freshman debut onto the pro circuit. You mentioned the SoCal pro series. So, you know, and she's having wins over the top players in college. Right. So she's clearly demonstrating that the level is there. And I think you're spot on. I mean, she's, you know, write her in for a top two spot at UCLA this coming season. And I'm glad you mentioned that. We haven't seen much of Tan Gilliger Brodus this summer. We have for Hans, and yeah. I typically think that's a good thing, don't you, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Kimmy's had she's had a good summer. She split a couple matches with Snow Han, right? She mm-hmm. beat uh, I think McKenna Jones. She uh she had a couple other wins over there. The Oklahoma State transfer. I'm not even gonna attempt to butcher that last name. Tim Chaiwat. Uh, yeah, and uh, Katya Wiersholm, she she beat right. So I mean, some some good wins uh, through the summer. Uh, so it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And and you know, we you talk about the Savannah Bros comparison, but she did. I mean, they they played each other last year, right? And Kimmy won. So uh, so yeah, I, I think that another good choice. Yeah. All right. With that said, let's broaden things up a little bit. As we wrap up this women's discussion, we can move on to the men shortly. But, Jay, no restrictions. When I say the next Ben Shelton in women's college tennis, who comes to mind for you? Uh, I mean, I honestly think we just talked through some of them. Yeah. Right? Is that everyone? I, so what about I would, any of the Stanford freshmen? Does Yepa Fedova so come yep. here? 
she does. She's in she's in this tier. Honestly, she has the similar upside as some of these other players that we've talked about. Yepa Finova comes to mind. Sneaky Dark Horse would be Alicia Dudney of yeah, Florida. Very good has, call. Who has the physicality and, and the weapons. Also a freshman. But I put all my money in someone who was a fresh or who was a freshman this past year than I would in some of the rising juniors or seniors. Let me give you one more name who because we'll get yelled at if we don't say her. And how could we not say her? Emma Staker, the heart taker. I mean, at number six singles, she very rarely lost. Now, Chaunce is gone. That's really it for Oklahoma. But you could see a, you know, a little shuffling. Like, why couldn't she play higher in the lineup next year? She certainly earned the right to take that shot. Hasn't she, Jay? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if the pro potential is necessarily there compared to some of these other players. But when we're talking big jumps in the lineup, yeah, absolutely. See, that's where I disagree because, and that's why I want to see it so much because I think she's very much a tennis chameleon. Like, give her a better player, she's going to play a different game style because she is capable of doing different things out on the court, a comfortable volley or when she needs to. I just want to see it more than anything else. Like, if they want to play a little Russian roulette, I mean, I don't know how you can take the number one spot from from Lane. I don't know how you can take two. Again, everyone was so good last year, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing everyone play around a little bit. I think that could be fun. I mean, Jaden Brown, got to give a shout-out to Wolverine, as always. She was excellent last year. Feels like she has the weapons to do some serious damage. I'm just jumping around in my head now from school to school. Who else could – I mean, do we th- – okay, red shirt. What about Snow Han? I'll go to you last. This will be the last name I throw at you, Jay. Does Snowhan count for this category? Because she was just so injured last year. But, I mean, she won a Futures title this summer. She's been awesome. Yeah, I don't – I mean, she was injured the year before. Like, she played this yeah, season, Yeah, but we right? saw her serve underhand at times. It's just like she still wasn't 100% healthy all year long. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been surprised by the results this summer. She's been excellent but they were certainly surprising. Yeah. Uh, and she fits in this. I mean, you just brought in the category. Now the category is a free for all, right? So, <laughs> well, that's um, what I was hoping for as we wrap this up. Absolutely. She fits in the category of like, wait, I thought it was just going to be Aaron Cayetano, who was maybe top 10 for USC. And now you're going, actually, it could be Snowhan, you know, and, you know, maybe a, a freshman. Yeah. Chris, are we missing anyone? No, well, I mean, you said wide open, so I don't know if the restriction was still that you have to be making a big jump. I'll, I'll say, I mean, I do like the staker pick just because watching those matches at indoors at six, I was sitting there going, wow, this is not a six match. But but I'm I'm going to stick with the, the person that you almost started the whole thing with, and that is Connie Ma. I mean, get get stronger, get older. I mean, she's still so thin. She's going to get stronger great already great strokes i'm i want to watch her yeah I, I don't think that's the worst pick but jay you're shaking your head a bit i just i mean i don't think connie ma has pro aspirations and i think we're gonna see a very much like of a ryan thatcher trajectory interesting where she's just really good in college but again I harvard mean, med school's a calling a hundred percent i mean she was appointed to the collegiate summer team she hasn't played a match this summer i, I just don't know how seriously she's taking tennis it's fair. Again, there are a lot of good players out there and certainly a lot of names we probably missed that could qualify for this list. I had a name in my head. I'm blanking on it now and someone else who can. Oh, um, 
hold on, don't say it. I can see her played three singles this year for Ohio State as a freshman. Was very, very Sydney good. Sydney Ratliff. Thank you, Sydney Ratliff. I think she's someone who could also you could throw on this list as saying maybe again she Another makes freshman. jump because I thought she was excellent. The freshman class last year for the women were just excellent. Yeah, they were just outstanding. That was the that's the big takeaway from this list is there are a lot of good candidates on the women's side, a lot of players who may make jumps. If you're doing a little CYA, shout out to my A&M fans. Mary Stoana had an excellent freshman campaign. She yeah, certainly fits course. the bill of someone who will uh, uh, ascend into the, Prisca, the top of the lineup. Negroho, why can't she be the best player in college? <laughs> like Again, that's another name you can throw out there. All these freshmen were too good last year. Um, I'm trying to think who else am I just like as I linger. Oh, last name I want to throw at you. There it is. I'm glad because this one was the one I was thinking of. Charlotte Shavatapan at number one for Texas. I like that thought. Like I just want to see the data points, Jay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to see that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is this a little J-bomb? Oh, the, no, not in that regard. Um, maybe we'll have to wait and see. But no, I, you know, I look, uh, you know, back in Orlando in 2021, I would have said you know, she could win the NCAA title coming soon. You know, I think she just struggled as she moved up in the lineup. I'm not willing to to put my put my neck out in line there. I think someone like Zayn Alova has a little bit of a, you know, more of a higher upside for for number one signals for them. I'll take it. With that in mind, Chris, any final thoughts? You ready to move on? I'm ready. All right, let's move on then to the men's side of this equation. And again, this is where I think things may get particularly funky because all due respect to some of the freshmen last season, I'm so happy you said Gavin Young out loud because uh, he was not on my list initially, but shout out to another Wolverine name drop in theory. Coach's son becoming a sophomore, very tall, very skinny, could put on some weight, could be healthy all season long. I like that as a candidate right off the bat. I have five names on my list, all different shades of the next Ben Shelton for different reasons. I imagine you guys will have some of these names on your list as well. Chris, I'm going to let you kick this off. The next Ben Shelton, the first name that comes to your mind when you look at the men's uh, men's field. Oh, zero question who the first name is. Ethan Quinn. Okay. Uh, so he's on my list. I imagine he's on Jay's list. Make the case. I mean, look, they, he, first of all, he, I mean, he redshirted and for as much as ever, everybody, you know, Jay, yourself, even me did to, to some points included want to say, Hey, why, why did you guys redshirt a boy? Well, don't you wish he played? I mean, that was the plan the whole time they were, they, he, he got out of, you know, got out of the high school early, spent a semester there. Um, I mean, look, he's, he's done tremendous. So we're talking about a kid that hasn't even played a college match yet. So we can say he's a freshman, say he's a sophomore, whatever. He's a redshirt freshman, you know, wins futures titles, goes. I mean, he's playing some of the best guys, fights off all those match points against August Holmgren, winning the title out. And if that was San Diego or L.A., wherever that was. Uh, but and has that and it's not just a, and it hasn't been a one tournament, you know, one and done kind of thing. He has played well all summer shows that he could play with. Forget just college guys, you know, I mean, guys at the pro level, you give him one full season playing, you know, this is a kid that I look at and I really think because he, A, he was the best option and B, sort of fit the parameters. If you were making the parameters, let him play one season of college tennis, 
and then a jump. Yeah, I could see him play his freshman year this year for Georgia. And then all of a sudden, he he could potentially, after a year, because he's already shown he can do it coming in, he could be the guy and just run the tables for, you know, for the following season in college. The only guy I could think of, right, you know, off the top of my head where I went, yeah, incoming, going to still has a freshman year to go and could do that a year out. I mean, definitely the best chance for that. Two futures titles in singles this summer, two futures titles in doubles, 25 and nine uh, uh, at the ITF level in singles over the course of the summer, 14 and five in doubles. I've said it, and I don't say it lightly, he's got one of those jack sock arms where it's just so easy for him to fight, to ring the bell and crank up the firepower. And again, how well he moves the ball around the court. I really like the serve as well and just his confidence moving forward. I actually think, and again, to stick with the sock comparison, I think he hits through the bag. He doesn't have socks. You know, I said this on the pod before. doesn't have socks, and therefore he doesn't generate quite that level of firepower because we all know that's where it comes from for Jack Sock. I mean, he's just blessed with one of those donks. Um, But, you know, Quinn's not quite on that level of firepower, but... You know, the way he goes after the ball, how definitive he is, and I like his backhand a little bit better. I think he does have that explosive first step. He does move well. He has that quick twitchiness you sort of need at this level of tennis. I mean, I'm all in, Jay. Chris is all in. Is it unanimous? Yeah, it's a unanimous selection to this next Ben Shelton list. I mean, you have, do you think he should, would you give him a U.S. Open Qualies wild card? You had yeah. your list of candidates well, on Twitter. I, I saw I, it. Yeah, I posted if, my my power rankings. He is in first place okay. because he, he still has the opportunity to earn direct entry, right? So he can do that through Kalamazoo. I think when you look at his results, they're the best of any, any collegiate player this summer. Yeah. who's eligible for a U.S. Open qualifying wildcard. No, there's no he, doubt. He has been that good. He really has been. And again, you can compare it to Holmgren, Vale, all these guys who have recently turned pro outside of the Kovaceviches of the world, like, and Ben, it's really Ethan. Like, he has been that good of any players with college ties this summer, outside of Cam Nori, too, I should say, because, you know, Cam Los Cabos final, Wimbledon semifinal. He's been okay uh, this summer as well. All right. First name, Ethan Quinn. He was on my list. Jay, second name goes to you. Who you taking? Hey, Crack fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays Stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. 
goods, or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample, and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the MegaTac, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turner Tennis today. I'm going to take Gabe Diallo off the board. Has to be off the board. Had to be a top two pick as well. Make the case. Look, I mean, he has he has the height, he has the size, he has the athleticism. He's really starting to play much better tennis, much more disciplined tennis. We saw his run both in the, the team event and in the individuals. Uh, super impressive. You know, he has one of those games that he has grown into over time. He's matured. And you look at some of the guys who have highest pro upside in the past, whether that's an Isner and Anderson, you know, it's guys who might have taken a little bit longer to develop. Diallo fits the bill. Uh, I'm, I, I imagine he will take the fall off, right? He's obviously had success on the pro pro tour. One is qualifying first round in Montreal. He's had really good success on the ITF circuit this summer. So I think we'll continue to see good results from him. Uh, and he will certainly be, you know, a consistent top five, top 10 presence next year. I think he's going to be one of the guys. Yeah, I think that's a very good pick. 21-4 and four last year in dual matches despite wearing a boot for a lot of the season. And you both know I like to beat a drum. I like to beat a dead horse as frequently as I can. Diallo versus Walton was the best match of the NCAA singles tournament. And you're lying to yourself if you pick anything else. And the level in that match was ATP challenger, dare I say ATP 250 good. Like just the weapons. And I think the comparison for Diallo is Kevin Anderson. I think there are a lot of similarities there. Both guys pretty fluid on that baseline for that 6'7 height range. The Diallo serve can be just an absolute bomb. Manufactures pace easily from both sides, but can move around the court pretty well for someone his size. And again, the backswings aren't so big that he's not good playing defense. Like I ask you this, Chris, next year. Alafiaini's coming in. Liam Draxel, for all we know, is coming back. Yet, would it shock you if come May, Diallo's playing number one singles? Not at all. Yeah. And he has to be on the, he has to be on this, in this, in this exercise. Like he just has to be. Yes. You, you have nothing to add. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't disagree and not at all. Yeah. I mean, this is not fun. We all agree too much in this podcast. We have to find some, I'm going to have to start throwing in. Oh, some I, I have some that we'll get to at least. All right, well, how high is Diallo? If Quinn is one on your list, is Diallo two? No. Okay, so then let's go. Where is Diallo on your list first? Uh, I don't have them in order because yeah, I, I didn't wasn't rank exactly yeah, sure yeah. of the parameters, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Diallo wasn't a freshman. I, you know, I didn't know where he we were He also was really time. good last year. He's been an All-American the yeah. past two seasons. The thing is— I have a bunch just, of names. So. Well, why Diallo qualifies for this list? I, I guess I don't want to explain it. I'm going to say, Jay, why do you think Diallo qualifies for this list? Well, look, I've already walked through the ways in which you could slice this list, right? One of them is highest pro upside in college, of which Ben Shelton had this past season, has demonstrated this summer. That is where I drew a lot of my names from, regardless of if they were good last season or not. 
So that's why Diallo is on this list. I think in five years time, if we're making a list of who could potentially be highly ranked from this era, I think he could be in that list. Chris, does that justification make sense to you? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm totally there. Yeah, so am I. That's why he's on this list, because it does feel like he's the guy who could make that next leap, that elite leap, be the elite player, the best player in college tennis from start to finish in a season. Um, that's how good he's been this summer again with the future success Diallo has had. You look for him overall five and two in pro action, but won that futures title in East Lansing and, you know, got a good, really good win in Canada. Who'd he beat? Thompson, I want to say this week in qualifying either uh, one of the Aussies. Yeah, it was an Aussie. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I think it was Jordan Thompson, but nevertheless mm. gets a win in Montreal qualifying impressive for Gabriel Diallo and uh, ultimately falls, I believe, in that final round of qualifying. I think he retired in the second round, but uh, yeah, down 6 like two, two, one. or 2 maybe or something. Yeah, like that. and retires to Hugo Gaston. Still very good summer for Diallo. Duckworth. Duckworth, way, beat, Duckworth. It was an Aussie. By the way, Diallo, despite – Finishing his junior season last year, still just 20 years old. Always like those young guys as well for their grade, much like Ben Shelton, Gabriel Diallo is as well. I mean, again, you guys are just going to keep picking names off my list, so I don't need to pick. Jay, I go back to you. No, no come on. You got you to gotta pick a name. <sighs> All right. I'll go with the easy case as well. Who is the guy who it feels like could pop next year and just put together that season of I am the dominant player and I'm positive he's on Chris's list. I'm positive he's on Jay's list. It's Johannes Monday, the rising junior for Tennessee. I've said it before. I'll say it again. What does every coach on a tennis court like to hear? Six foot five lefty who can move. That's Johannes Monday. And we've seen the serve and we've seen the movement. We've seen even if his forehand aesthetically isn't the most pleasing, it's effective. He moves it well around the court. He gets better and better as a volleyer. And he just seems like a guy who wants it. And I know that's an arbitrary thing to say, but when I'm looking at the category of players who I'm certain will become the best version of themselves, I'm just pretty sure Johannes Monday is going to get there. And again, that best version of himself is a six foot five lefty who, despite being injured throughout the course of the season, kept coming back and continued to play and tried to contribute for his team however he could. And at the start of his season, it was like, hey, you have to win. Adam has to win. Mitsui has to win. He was doing it. He was delivering the goods for his team. And now you don't have the crutch of Adam Walton. Now you are the number one guy for a Tennessee team that Baylor, you know, they pulled the Baylor. They reloaded. It was like, yeah, we lost some players, but we might have actually brought in more depth for this season. Still, you feel like Monday's got to be the guy, right, Chris, for Tennessee to stay in that upper tier of men's college tennis, to be elite of the elite and you know, 58 and 18 in his career in singles at Tennessee and 15 and two this summer in the pro events he's played. It just feels like, yes, I know it's after his sophomore year, but he could be the guy this season. Oh, he's at, well, he's absolutely the guy on the team, right? I mean, yeah, Walton's gone. He's in. Sure. You're bringing in, you know, you're bringing in a, a, a bunch of other guys. Big Nell comes in, you get a couple of transfers, Hunter, Kozlov, but but yeah, he's he's the guy and he could be the guy in the NCAA. I mean, he he stands to put himself. Look, he just won a 25K last week in Decatur. I mean, he's he's going to be in the running for one of those guys that, you know, loses two or three matches, you know, to basically do what Shelton did. And look, let's be clear, the the college level is so good 
we're seeing what Ben Shelton's doing and we're talking about the next Ben. And it's not like Ben went, you know, went 25 and one this year, right? I mean, he went a weekend at the end of the season where he lost a plan in sec from Alabama. And I don't remember, he lost both matches that weekend. I think, I don't know who the other one was. Right. But it's, I mean, the level is, is up there that you can't just think, Oh, I'm going to walk in and, and run the table in the NCAAs like Stevie did. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a, a tough battle, but yeah, he could be, you know, and probably should be a top five guy, it, you know, and where in that list in the top five he is, who knows? But yeah, that's, he's got that potential for sure. By the way, 10 men with college ties in the top 100 of the ATP singles rankings, 33 men with college ties in the top 100 of the doubles rankings. You've got two women inside the top 100 of the uh, WTA singles rankings, 17 in the top 100 of the WTA doubles rankings. Is this an upside play, Jay, or is this talking about this immediate college season? Are we looking at Johannes Monday under the prism of he could be the next Ben Shelton? Because if he was the best guy in college tennis and led Tennessee to a national championship, that feels like it's in the realm of possibilities here. Um, is that a is this a college play? Is this a pro play? Is it a little of both? I think it's both, right? Because certainly if he becomes the best guy in college tennis, then as Chris just documented, that's pretty, uh, the path is there to translate that to success on the pro tour. And I think the thing to underscore with Monday is he was injured for a good part of his sophomore season, right? I think we would have seen that sophomore jump, you know, more acutely. Had we he saw it the first injured. two, the first month and a half. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, it, I mean, it would have sustained, right? And he would yeah. have been undefeated at number two. And, you know, I think he would have continued to, um, you know, improve. But, yeah, so I expect that we'll continue. It's great to see him playing these events in the U.S. this summer, uh, taking tennis seriously. I think this is someone who, you know, is taking full advantage of what Tennessee has to offer in a way that maybe he wasn't doing in his early junior days. So, you know, there's a lot of upside on Monday. Everyone has talked about it. That's not new information, but I think we should, could, could see that assuming he's healthy for the full next year. Currently 70, 770 in the ATP rankings. One wonders how high would he have to get this fall to not come back to school? Obviously well, keep in mind, that's like 550 something after these 25 points pop in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, he's been that good. And so you wonder, what's the number? You know, what if he wins the Knoxville Challenger, which isn't out of the realm of possibilities? Like, what if he wins it in September? Now you're just like, huh, well, now what? Do we just screw ourselves? Like, there's a possibility. But so Monday's my pick, and I think he's an easy candidate here for the next Ben Shelton. All right, I'm going to give everyone one more pick, and then we can do some honorable mentions. We're going to keep today's show on the lighter side. I don't like to kill you guys in the summer. I save that for January through May, you know, hour and a half minimum. You know how we roll. Jay, your final pick here. You get one more shot at the next Ben Shelton on the men's side. Who's it going to be? All right. Well, if I get one shot, I'm going to go with someone who I think we could see a pretty big jump from. They did play one, but I'm going to go Chris Rodak. Oh, you, I knew it. I knew it. As soon as you said they did play, I was like, he's going to say Chris Rodak. Uh, <laughs> but I love it. He's on my list as well. Make the case. I mean, Chris is someone who fits into that bill of, you know, it was injured a lot as a junior, you know, didn't come in as the most highly touted recruit, has the physicality, the size, the height. I mean, he was going toe to toe with Ben, you know, what they split tie breaks or seven, six, five, seven, something like that. When the match was called for Virginia, it feels very 
Like there's just a lot more untapped potential there, you know, with the serve, with the movement. And so I expect him to, you know, he was sniffing around the top 20 ish this year is, uh, and I expect him to be firmly within the top 10, um, which will be a big boon to UVA's defense chances uh, given who he has surrounded himself with that team. But yeah, I, I would add Rodesh. Yeah, if you want to put Inyaki on here, you want to put the doc, Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, on here, you can make a case for any of them. Rodesh yep. just has the weapons, and we've seen it on the pro circuit. Again, titles and singles and doubles. He's cruising this summer, and you're right. It just felt like, Chris, he hit his stride this year, at the end of this year. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm not going to argue that pick. I, I, I would have put a whole bunch of those guys together they're all on my list but yeah uh, uh, can we just instead the the college women freshmen are what we the college men sophomores like those are the two classes we're all watching right now because they're both really freaking good on each side all right chris then your final pick here tonight well um, yeah my final pick and i actually thought jay was gonna steal it but i should have remembered that both of you guys are uva homers uh, (laughs) because he also played one this year and that's murphy cassone yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. On my I, list as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, look, he finished, you know, we jumped straight out of the NCAA season. He goes to the, to that little rock challenger. And I mean, wow, that was like, I mean, we saw what he could do during the season when he, when he was playing, you know, the, the sheet X and whatnot of, of the world. But when he jumped into that, into the, uh, the challenger in, in little rock and, and ran through, he had to go through qualifying there. Right. And he takes out a couple guys, you know, one former college guy and Evan Jew and, and, and Andreev, and then gets Michael Moe in the first round and, and beats Michael Moe uh, and then Uchida and before, you know, losing to, to go to, to Kovacevic. But I mean, that was a great start to the, to the summer for him. And he's, he's continued on and, and has, you know, he's played, He's played well. I mean, obviously, you're going to have your ups and downs. He was a freshman. So it's a, he's one of those guys that I look at. If I think from the parameters of trying to catch a really young guy and could, that could make a jump, yeah, he's not going to make the jump in lineup position. But could he come back and be just like Monday, like the guy looking to try to run? And, and I'm looking forward to those, you know, Steph and and Murphy battles out there in the, in the Pac-12. But uh yeah. Could he be that guy? Absolutely. He's shown that he can. So, uh, I mean, it's there for him. Can't, now he's just, you know, he's got to follow through, but it's, it's definitely potential. It's a good pick. I mean, wasn't on my list just because I don't know if he's, I like, I don't want to say I don't see it. He's really good, but where's the next leap coming from? What's the thing he develops this summer that makes him that much better? Like, it just feels like Murphy's such a complete product already. And that's a credit to him and his development and the work he's put in. I'm just curious, like, do you think the service overwhelming, Chris? What 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 makes Murphy special? I, man, I, I mean, he you're like, you're right. He does it all. But I mean, I watched that match against Michael Moe. And okay, I mean... I don't care who you are. If you take out Michael Moe and yeah, you can look at Moe and think that, you know, maybe at points he's either tanking or he's not into it or whatnot. I mean, but Kasson took him out of his game after, you know, you know, going into that third set and that, I mean, that take, it takes a game to do that. You can't, you can't be a pusher and just rally ball with Michael Moe and expect to come out of there with a win. He's got game. Uh, It's, and I, I, for me, I always struggle with the guys that I look at and I go, there's no weapon because I don't see it's hard for me to see the translation to the pros, even though it still works for a lot of them. Right. I mean, I, I look at 
I mean, look, I'll be, I'll be honest. I look at a guy like, say, a Montez or a Draxel, and both of them, I go, man, great defensive players, but where's the weapon come from? But at the same time, like Montez has beaten, I've watched him beat Polanski in a challenger. I mean, they win and you can do it, but for some reason, you it, it just feels like you need to have some sort of weapons. And and I think Murphy's got, I mean, he's got weapons. It's just not, he's not sitting back there counting on, I've just, I just need one big forehand to end the point and that's it. He's got a, he's got a good game. No, I don't think anything's necessarily overwhelming, but I also think, that's, you know, that's where he's going to continue to develop. I do think he's got the firepower to hang with those guys at that level. So I, that's what I'm looking forward to trying to see. He just has to play more of them. Fair. Jay, any any thoughts to add? I mean, I think his forehand is, is exceptional, right? I think that that could be a weapon. I think he could improve the serve a lot. Uh, but Gruskin, I would ask you, if not Casson, who, what freshman guy finishes the highest sophomore next next season. Gavin Young. That's an easy cop-out for me. Um, well, I have, again, the, there are two freshmen I would point to that I have left on my list. And okay, Gavin so these are your, fi- your final two. Jack Anthrop is an interesting name to me because we didn't get to see much of him last year, but a former top 20 junior in the world, he got a year under the Ty Tucker system after the red shirt, and most players come out hot. After that red shirt, after their freshman season, he's been solid on the pro circuit, playing Kalamazoo right now, still alive in the main draw. I need to see it, but I think he's a guy you circle as just like maybe, you know, no Van Emberg, no Votzel anymore. Anthrop steps in, Bernard steps in, where they step in is still a big question, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what that lineup looks like for Ohio State. The other one would be. Car- uh, Carlos Ozalans for Illinois, who was a highly touted recruit, but just wasn't eligible to play last season. And another big lefty, I believe, and you know we love that uh, here at Cracked Rackets. I'm keeping an eye on Ozalans. I think he could be pretty darn good next season. Patrick Maloney belongs on this list. No, just, just wanted to make sure you guys are still awake. Just wanted to make sure they're not. They've passed out. I mean, I guess Anthrop and Ozalans, Jay, is that an appropriate answer for you? No, it doesn't fit the rules. <laughs> Neither of them were freshmen last year. <laughs> well, technically, Anthrop was around. You know, if Quinn gets to qualify, I'm going to throw Anthrop on. Yeah, the but list. Uh, yeah, but I added some restrictions. I okay, said, but like, if Anthrop wins Kalamazoo, does he now qualify? He qualifies for the broader list. Okay, but like, I, there's a there's a big gap, right? Yeah. In terms of like this class, I mean, you have Murphy, who who. If not him, because, I mean, you were poo-pooing him. So, you know, who's next? I've got to be blanking out on some of the international guys who are pretty I, good. I would say here. one of the guys that has to be on that list next, I'm still putting him behind Murphy, is Pierre Bailey. Yeah. Oh, duh. That's yeah. a good one from Texas. What about the Florida guys? I mean, I know we didn't get to see the most of them, but Abdullah is obviously pretty good. And we got to see, I'm blanking on the lefty's name right now, who played six for them at the end of last year. Nate Bonetta. Yeah, Bonetta was pretty solid yep. last year for them as well. Like there's, it's, I mean, look, this year's freshman class coming in with Svensson and Ozan and Gorsny and, oh, by the way, another good one. Here's one, Ryan Colby maybe for USC steps up in that number two role. It's just like with his lack of size, I think he could be really, really good for a while. I just don't know if he's going to make that massive jump. Um, but I mean, this year's freshman class is really, really good. 
Yeah, it's a, the other guy to me from last year's freshman class would be basing at Stanford. Yep. Oh yeah, Max. Good call. Yep. Yeah, I, I think but that's it's, all. It's but it's not. Fun. It's not a. It's not a big list. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, those are the guys I had, you know, PYB and uh, basing. Yeah. Again, I'm blanking on everyone's great at this point. Pierre Bailey is a must include on this list. And we already said Gavin Young. So don't worry. He's on this list, folks. And I'm sure we missed on your favorite player, you meaning the listener. And if we are missing on anyone, you know where to find us at College Tennis Ranks, at Tennis at AL Gruskin on Twitter. But again, who might the next Ben Shelton B. Hopefully we gave you a good list of names of players to watch for, not only through the fall, but of course, as we approach the start of the 2023 season. With that in mind, I open things up to you first, Jay. What you got cooking over at No Ad No Problem for us? What should we expect? Well, I said this last time, so I haven't done it yet, but uh, transfers. (laughs) So I'm coming out with the transfer list. Um, You know, still I'm waiting for the decision on... The fall, I'll be tracking that story with the NCAA committee votes. Um, but yeah, you can follow everything on Twitter. You can follow the podcast, No Ad, No Problem, Instagram. You know, that's where everything will be happening. That's what I like to hear. Chris, any fun things we should be looking out for on College Tennis Ranks? Oh, no. Too, you know, the real <laughs> world is just too, too, too busy right now. So uh, Thus washed. Uh, Thus wash. No, Chris, you do more work day and I'm just, I'm just messing. I'm just waiting, wait, waiting for that, uh, the, you know, that season to kick back up again. I'm a little disappointed that, you know, I thought we were going to do a draft Gruskin. So I, I have to, I have to at least let out the, the one spoiler I had. I was waiting for the draft and I had two special picks for you okay. that I never got to give. Please. So, so one, I was going to way, way, way too early steal Bjorn Swenson from him. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like, but, is it because he beat Boyton twice? Yeah, <laughs> but, but here's my number two was going to be, and it was going to be a very early pick when we got into the incoming freshman. I I'm not even, it, I'm not picking a name. I'm just taking Stanford. Just all of them. <laughs> I, I, I want them all. I want, you know, I want ben, Benergy. I want Kyle Kang. I want Basavaretti. I want Hudson Rivera, Nico Godsick. They, they, I get them all in one pick. Nico's not a freshman this year. I thought he's got one year left of high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, in, in, I'm Kang. just saying, you know, he wants the whole something. recruiting class. Yeah, look, Goldie's <laughs> ready to rock and roll. He's ready to bring the tree back to where they belong. And, but, but the other thing, the other thing I do want to bring up is, you know, and we didn't, t- we didn't touch on it in the, I can't believe we didn't talk about it in the, the rules, quote unquote, lack of rules. And that was the ages of these guys, because we've got, you know, several incoming freshmen uh, in the case of Antoine, a sort of, I don't even know if oh, you're going to call Kovang it. Kovang Chavanet, uh, the Florida yeah, State Flor- guy. That's Florida a good State, call. Right? He was already there pick. last year, just not eligible. Yeah. But then you got in. I mean, even Pennington Jones at TCU is only 19, I think. So and that's a I mean, good call. Huge, huge incoming potential there. So there, yeah, there are. Where's Pennington Jones going? TCU, right? TCU, along with Sebastian Gorsney. They're getting Gorsney too. Yeah. Holy crap! That is. And then all those guys that are going to Stanford. I mean, yeah, there's some, there's some good ones coming in, and and obviously, if you include Antoine at Florida State, who who was there, just not eligible, he's coming in, and you got Zhang at Columbia. I mean, a couple guys at Baylor and Braysock and Velch. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. There's a lot of talent coming in. Is Michigan still the national indoor favorites in both of your minds on the men's side? I'll start with you, Jay. 
in your favorites? Yeah. Give me your favorites no. right now. Let's go NCAA championship favorites right now. Way too early. August 9th, 2023. We'll start with the men's side. Jay, who you got? This is where we'll end the show. Virginia and Kentucky. For the men's side? Chris? Man, I don't. yeah, I don't. Gosh, it's so, uh, I mean, a repeat of the final, but yeah, I don't, I I don't know how I get away with it, but I'm going to, I'm going to say those two and I'm going oh. <laughs> to TCU. Well, the, the problem, you're right. This is the problem is we always, we're always a year early on all these freshmen, right? I could say Stanford and TCU just because of things they have coming in, but we, it all, it almost seems like other than the Virginia year, you know, with everybody, we, you know, went with Inyaki Montez and Jeffrey. I mean, and that was a ridiculous year for the freshmen, but yeah, it always seems like it takes a year for that to happen. So it's really hard to bank on it. And, and from the returning classes, absolutely. You got to love Virginia and Kentucky. Maybe I'm especially with the Kentucky trend. I mean, with what they've yeah. got coming in, if they all come back, right. You bring, you mentioned one and then you got body coming in as well. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm not ready to give up on Tennessee. I'm not ready to give up on Michigan. I'm not ready to give up on Texas either. Those are the three teams that I would also throw in this conversation where it's just like they're all going to be – I mean, Ohio State, of course, as well. But like – Oh, Texas should – yeah, Texas should Texas be belongs at the – like let's remember at the start of last season we were like is ne- – it's like no, 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 next year's Texas. Then we'll go on a little Georgia run because they're bringing in some really nice freshmen. Although now maybe Ethan Quinn's not there for Alex Mickelson. Maybe it's already over uh, by that point. Women's side, Jay, any, any major shifts based on the offseason? I mean, it's got to be North Carolina right now, <laughs> right? But yeah, I yeah. mean, North Carolina, Pepperdine are probably the two that you would you would circle. Yeah, especially after all the ta- Oklahoma has to be circled as well in the mix. I mean, yes, in the mix, Chanta, absolutely. But that's really all they. I mean, Chris, anything to add? Yeah, no, those are the favorites. I'll, the, but the one I'm actually most interested to see is just the how texas fares with i mean the turnover i mean i'll call it the turnover right losing losing people but bringing in a a whole slew of them as well can they can they come close to maintaining that some sort of level there i said this to gruska though they've done that the last two years right they when they won their first national championship two years ago or the first one of this stretch right they were five new freshmen this past year they bring in you know, three freshmen, they That's, lose. I mean, yeah. yeah, they're definitely, they're a team I want to watch. I want yeah. to keep my eyes on. It's going to be very interesting. You think they've dropped so many people. It's kind of like on the guy side, we were talking about Baylor coming into the year after just losing, you know, the guys at the bottom. But, but yeah, they, they lose people, but they, they completely reload. And I think it's very possible that they reload and come back super strong. Yeah, and this is what makes the college tennis season so fun. Parody, depth, now the name of the game. We still got a couple months to collect our thoughts before we have to get into our top 10 preview. But, guys, top 10 preview is less than eight weeks away. like Or it's about eight weeks away. Like, we're going to be rocking and rolling before you know it, and then you're going to be stuck with me each and every week. And We need yeah. to do a post-mortem on last year's. Last, just, like last year's top 10 to kick off this. Be like, uh, what was right, what was wrong. Well, How embarrassing takes. I've deleted the Pepperdine podcast. <laughs> like no one's. Although, honest to God, I, I know. I, I see. By it. This is why I also have to let you guys in the circle because Jay was obviously our number one fan before becoming a member of our family here at Cracked Rackets, and you couldn't 
ostracize any of my takes any longer because you're like, no, I was there for it. It made sense. It's like <laughs> the Pepperdine takes made sense in the moment. And honest to God, as poorly as the Pepperdine podcast aged, members of the Virginia team came up to me, Chris, in Champaign and were like, hey, you guys did say it in the preseason podcast that this Virginia team in any other year would be the unequivocal favorites to win the national championship. They were like, you were on that from the start. To which I say, hell yeah, we were. Like, yeah, that was one of our many takes. We, One of our few takes, I should say, Chris, we got right on the year. So, you know, we still got some time to to gel it all together. I feel like we all need that time right now, Chris. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, just maybe. But again, with all of that in mind, that'll do it. Our exercise looking for the next Ben Shelton. Again, we'll have more college updates. Who's doing well on the Pro Tour for all of you over the course of the next few weeks as we gear up for the start of the 2022-2023 college tennis season. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of it any job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout-out to our friends at Turna as well. Remember, visit sales at uniquesports.com. Email them today to join the Turna family. With all that said, for the fantastic J. John Parsons and Chris Halliors. John J. Parsons, leave it in, though, and Chris Halliors. Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner from all this year. At both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great Great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thank you both, as always. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.